1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 247. A very happy Fourth of July to everybody out there. The Fourth of July also means Big Stein's birthday, America's birthday, and most importantly, the legendary John Sterling's birthday. What's up, Scott?
2: John Sterling had some nice, some nice little, uh,
1: some daps by
2: the Yankees. They give him a nice little watch. They give uh, uh, Michael K. gave him a, a birthday shout out by doing the Giancarlo... Carlo. Nassim Parlo Blah Blah Blah's call, and they, they had a nice, if you go to the uh, Yankees website, they have a, uh, like a mashup of the two of them doing it together. Um, and if, you're, if anybody is old enough to remember, they, they used to call the games together on uh, 770. Uh, yeah, those kid. were
1: great. I thought they were really, really good together when they were in the radio together. Absolutely. I think
2: that's, that's what I grew up with. I grew up with listening to them at night when I was going to sleep on my clock radio. It feels very old. That, feels, Kay, very, that feels very old-fashioned to say.
1: Michael Kay said that he planned on doing uh, a home run call that John Serling did. It just mattered who hit the home run. How pissed do you think he was that it was Stanton and not somebody easy to remember like Judge or something like that?
2: I think it's great. I I, I loved it because there's there's a uh, there's a video of him doing it and and O'Neill is just like all over him, like literally like getting his shoulders while he's in the middle of doing it. He couldn't hold back the laughter. Um, so he was prepared. I give him credit for that. That he was prepared, and, and he delivered the line. So
1: it was, uh, it was, it was pretty funny. I think people need to realize with John Sterling that the guy just turned 80 years old, and he does not miss games. He's done uh-huh. like 30 straight years of calling baseball games. It's very impressive. It is very
2: impressive. And and when you actually see what he looks like when he does these calls. It's pretty hysterical because they had the they had a bunch of cameras on him today, and he just gets so animated and starts shaking. You know, there's a couple of GIFs of him like doing it. You can see it um, if you look up uh, just John Sterling images, and you can see him doing the calls. But he he, I mean, he literally like moves his whole body, his whole head shakes while he's doing the calls. It's uh, he kind of looks like a bobblehead as he's doing it. It's yeah. he gets into it. I mean, the man loves what he's doing. It's very obvious, and you you know you you can't do something that long and not love what you do, for not missing a day. I mean, he's like he's the iron horse of broadcasting.
1: He's a lot of energy in those 80-year-old bones. That's right. You
2: can't see a damn thing, but he, but he will deliver a home run call. How was your 4th of July otherwise? It was good, man. It was, uh, it was, it was a finally a, a nice day to relax. I think a lot of us drank some beers, ate some, uh, ate some barbecue. I had a nice little pool party at a buddy's house. And, uh, yeah, it was, we watched the game on uh, – uh, just kind of casually and on the iPad and uh, drank some beers and played in the pool. So it was a lot of fun. It was a nice day to relax.
1: I've been at the beach all week. I'm on vacation this week, so I'm kind of losing track of days. But I bought a 24-pack of Corona at the liquor store, not realizing that I didn't buy the 12-ounce ones. I bought the 7-ounce ones. Have you yeah. ever seen
2: those? Oh, yeah. It happens. I've se- It's happened to me before.
1: And I was filling up the fridge and like just like reaching into the box pull, putting them in I was like something's different here something is different than I looked down at you've got to be kidding me only seven ounce ones and now I have to drink twice as many bottles yeah you look like a complete degenerate when you
2: take the when you take the recycling out right. that's something I'm very I'm very wary of on uh, Tuesday mornings when I have to take my recycling out I make sure I dump my recycling bin while like closer to the garage so that people can't hear it hear the cling it's, cling yeah it's pretty it's, pretty, <laughs>
1: it, it's uh it, it kind of sells me out when i when i when i dump my recycling into the big bin lots of you know, lots of bottles hitting i think i may have stumbled upon something uh, a hidden gem here though i think the corona tastes better out of the seven ounce bottles because it doesn't get watered down doesn't get kind of gross towards the end because you're done in like three four sips anyway
2: i don't know i think you're just trying
1: to sell yourself on it it's yeah, it's well, really have, hard like it's really hard to drink because you have to like hold it with finger it's weird yeah, it's weird. You feel like a giant. I've got like nineteen more to drink. So yeah, I am selling myself. So now you
2: know that. how now, he, now you know how Aaron Judge feels when he drinks a regular Corona,
1: right? Or like you know the famous picture of Andre the Giant holding the beer can, and it yeah. looks like yeah, it looks miniature. In it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's so a, that's that's a day in the life of on the beach with Aaron Judge drinking a Corona. Yes, uh, today on the second half of this episode, we teased it last time. We have the audio of the pitch CC. Uh, celebrity softball game event. We talked to a bunch of guys, including Sabathia, Didi, Sonny Gray, uh, Carlos Beltran, and more. So we also recapped the event with Dom. So that's on the second part of this episode. Stay tuned for that. And also, Scott, we want to remind people how to buy tickets for July 22nd. So July 22nd is the Sunday night Bronx
2: Pinstripes crew event. We're uh, Subway Series playing the Mets Sunday Night Baseball, ESPN. Going to be a fun game again. Section two hundred five. Uh, the tickets have been have been flying uh, out of the fan shop. That's where you get them. Go to bronxpinstripes.com and just follow the link for the fan shop um, up top, and you can get there. And it's uh, super easy. Eighty-seven dollars. Again, we're going to be doing the uh, pregame at the Bronx Brewery. You get a T-shirt, uh, a beer that comes with the ticket and then also the game ticket. So these, uh, this is a, another one of those premium games where the ticket on the secondary market will be much more than this ticket. And in this case, you're also getting a beer with it. So this is a deal of a century, make sure you get it. They will sell out, I promise you that. Um, we have uh, right around 300 tickets in that section. So go in uh, and get them and get your crew together. And also, we're, we're extending the same deal that we've done uh, for the majority of them. If you have and you are the captain of a, of a group that is 10 or more, you will get your ticket for free. So just shoot us an email and uh, I'll send you a code for that. Or if you've already purchased, let me know. Shoot me an email and I'll just uh, reimburse that one ticket. And pretty good deal. Get your, uh, get your friends to go and you get to go for free.
1: So we uh, – so Yankees took two out of three from Atlanta. started off rough on Monday. We actually had a really cool stat posted in the Facebook group by Glenn Johnson. He's always posting things in there. If you guys want to join that Facebook group, it's the Bronx Pinstripe Show on Facebook. Like we say, we there's a lot of in-game chatter, uh, funny pictures, memes, all that kind of stuff going on in there. But what he posted was that the Yankees are 20-8. and eight. Against current playoff teams, that includes the Astros, the Braves, the Phillies, the Mariners, the Indians, and the Red Sox. And they've won all of those series, except one that was the one early on at Fenway against Boston. So I think what the Yankees have been able to do, and we've said this kind of just um, each episode as they've gone as they got into that gauntlet of the schedule and the team started to play better. but this team definitely, uh, and here is the proof, plays the best against good competition.
2: yeah, and that's a good thing, I think, you know, we've well, yeah. I mean, we've We've talked about the you know I don't like it when they when they play down to their competition, but it's such a natural thing to do. I think you kind of let your guard down when you're not playing a team that's as good and you know for whatever reason your focus isn't all the way there or you take things for granted, I think but but the fact that they can uh, you know get into those moments and and play so well against these good teams is is truly telling I think to to the way that this team can be and and where their talent can take them and then obviously you know w- when the end of the season comes and they have to buckle down especially that that last series that's going to be in uh, in Boston which most likely will have implications you know that's important to know that this team can uh, to, can get up for the big game so um I love it I love that stat it's a great stat
1: well about playing down to the competition I think that was more of an early April thing narrative uh the only time you can maybe argue is the tampa series a couple uh last weekend or two yeah. weekends ago where they got swept but so many nutty things happened in that series that i almost give them uh you chalk that up to just that's baseball susan
2: yeah yeah it was like a voodoo series it was it was it doesn't doesn't count i mean literally weren't that was not a real ballpark
1: but uh, if uh If they do fall into that trap of playing down to the competition, it's going to be a problem because they're going to need to beat up on all the crummy teams like Tampa, like Baltimore, like Toronto in their division because they're going to need to win a hell of a lot of ballgames if they want to beat Boston in the division. They're going to have to win over 100 ballgames to do that. You do not want to have to play that one-game wildcard, and we saw it last year. You do not want to have to go on the road in the ALCS. So as you go into
2: the season further and and the season's starting to dwindle down and you can and everybody starts paying attention to the standings more, and you know where what what games uh, each team has left, and you know what they're doing in this particular week. It's almost like you're playing against the schedule at that point, right? You're you're playing every game almost against the Red Sox, and I feel like that's the mentality that that they can get because even if you're playing a team that's not very good, I mean, yes, you're playing that team there in front of you, but you have to beat them to stay up with the Red Sox. You know, so yep. you're still playing against the Red Sox whether you're they're on the field or not. So I think that is you know it, it's one of those. Uh, one of those narratives that they can kind of drum up in their own head saying that, okay, this is what we have to do. We have to win every single game. Every single game is important and as a playoff game because it's going to come down to a handful of games at the end of the season. And whoever gets the home field advantage and whoever wins the AL East is going to have a significant advantage into the playoffs. And they don't want to be in that same position they were last year where they had to play in that uh, in that one one game wildcard, not line up their pitching. And then eventually, you know, they they did beat Cleveland. They did beat Minnesota, but... You know, they had to play games on the road. And ultimately, I mean, I think that's why they lost against Houston is because they didn't. If they had a home field advantage in that Houston
1: series, I think the Yankees win that series. So it's important. Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. You heard some of the quotes after the Astros finally got out of Yankee Stadium after game five. And they were demoralized. He said, yep. it was so loud in here. It was a real, real home field advantage. And we said that all last October. You could tell this team was never out of it when they were at home.
2: And you're hearing that now i mean i've I've listened to some games with uh on the other side of the booth with uh, some of the opponent um broadcasters just because so I can hear some other stuff and yeah I, i've heard I've heard some of these guys talking about how you know when they're coming into Yankee Stadium now in you know may June July, that it's loud and it's different than it has been in in prior years so I think it's not even just October it's not just the playoffs. I mean Yankee Stadium is fully back at this point and and
1: people know it. All right, let's play the game. We're here sitting here on July 4th. It's the last weekend at Fenway Park and the Yankees and Red Sox are tied. Do you throw Severino to win the division or do you save him for the one-game wild card against maybe the Mariners? So, you're saying one game left to yeah, do. Yeah, one um, one game left. Sunday yeah. afternoon, you are tied in the standings. Do you mm-hmm. throw Severino? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. Because because I think it, that
2: because that that essentially is a one game wild card, right? I mean, you're you're it's a it, it, it is a playing game. It's to win, it's that, that that next game is to um to win the AL East and to get a bye. and that's that's essentially winning the wild card. I mean, it's, that's that's a playoff game.
1: Yeah, and maybe if it's uh, if it means if you win the AL East, you also win home field advantage, which could very well be. I definitely agree with you. But yeah. say the Astros have some unbelievable second half and pull away and end up having the best record in in baseball and the Yankees and Red Sox are not in that position and it means you're on the road in the ALCS anyway, maybe you maybe you save Severino. I don't know. It's it's going to be something fun. I think that last weekend to pay attention to because the Red Sox are going to be in the same position with Chris Sale. Oh
2: no doubt about it. Yeah, they're not trying to walk into anything leading off a uh, playoff series with David Price. <laughs> it's just not not, not, a, not a not a good or Porcello. I guess you could you could go Porcello, too. But yeah, they they are in a very similar position. Um, I don't know. A, a lot of things can happen uh, from now until then. Obviously, who knows who the Yankees are getting? So there may be another option. Tanaka may have another great, you know, very good second half. Who the hell knows with Sonny Graham? I'm not even going to say anything about him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know. Uh, you just don't know, but yeah, it's. I think in a situation like that, I'm going. I'm winning that game.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. Let's talk about Monday. Frustrating loss. Extra inning game. Yankees had a million chances. They left 12 men on base. They were 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position. Wasted opportunities with leadoff doubles, bases loaded. There was an opportunity in the seventh inning. And then again uh, with Neil Walker pinch hitting in the eighth inning. And then there was bases loaded uh, where they absolutely did nothing. So with since June 1st, the Yankees actually rank last in Major League Baseball in team batting average with runners in scoring position, which is atrocious. But then on the flip side, a lot of people are blaming Aaron Boone for this loss because of the way he handled the bullpen.
2: Yeah. It's, it's just one of those very frustrating games when you go over 12 with runners in scoring position and you're wasting all of those opportunities. Uh, and, and then you end up losing a game that was very, very winnable at, at that. You know, you had, you had enough pitching in the game to win the game. And, and all you gotta do is capitalize on some opportunities. You that, go one for 12, you win the game. Right. Uh, it's frustrating. Uh, there's there's a whole bunch of, of things that I think that can be uh, that can be looked at that Aaron... This was the first time in a long time, and of course, it's right after the show, that we had praising <laughs> Aaron know, Boone. I, was thinking I was, that, too. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, this is great, uh, that Aaron Boone's been called into question. It's been a long time since that's actually happened, I think, and, and this was definitely one of those that warranted it, though.
1: What well, flew under the radar on Sunday night when the Yankees were bashing David Price's brains in is that Robertson, Batances, and Chapman all pitched because they hadn't pitched in a number of days. And I guess it didn't dawn on me that maybe using all three of them in the same game just to, quote, get work was a little stupid. You want to use Batances, fine. You want to use Chapman, fine. Maybe don't burn both of them for just a work situation because you knew you had Loisica on Monday and then Herman on Tuesday, you were going to have to lean on your bullpen in those two games.
2: Yeah. I mean, definitely looking back and and seeing that and it honestly, when I was watching it as well, it's, it's, it's not something to trigger to my head, but you know, I I just don't understand in a situation like that, when you do have three guys that need work, um, why, why you can't, Lay one back and just do some side work, just so that there's a little bit of a of a of a replication. The guys always game, say, it's but it's not, not the full. same, though. They I understand it's not, it's not, the, not same. the same. I get that it's not the same, but it, it can delay a day. You know, it it could push it back a day to, to get a little bit of work and get the arm loose, and then you know have that guy the the next day on Monday. At least one of them has to get in at that point. If you're going to use two of them on Sunday, but yeah, you go all three, and then you're really putting yourself in a position now where. You know, maybe they're good for the second day, or maybe they're good for, for Tuesday. But one of those days, you're going to be missing guys, and if you need them, we saw what could happen on Tuesday, where you have to go with, uh, you know, an extended Adam Warren who has absolutely nothing, and he's the only option at that point because your other option is chasing Clippard. and uh, you know, there's just you're looking at you're looking at all around bad options. So, and it was
1: a situation that absolutely Boone put himself in. And you could tell on Tuesday Boone sends Adam Warren back out there and I think Boone behind his back is crossing his fingers saying let's give up a laser rate at somebody. Don't give it up in the gap because that's how bad Adam Warren was throwing.
2: Well, yeah, because his first inning, I mean, it was it was line drive, line drive, line drive. I mean, they were squaring him up. He was getting very lucky that he got out of that inning and. Uh, so there were, there were, uh, they were hitting him hard there. He was not fooling a damn person. And, you know, there were a couple balls of the warning track, if I remember correctly. So the fact that he came out for the second inning, I'm I'm, I'm like, come on, is this real life? I, I mean, do, we're not watching the same well, game. Here. When like, the this guy's got nothing.
1: When the alternative is Shreve, yeah. it's, it's pick your poison. That is a Sophie's choice right there for Aaron Boone.
2: Well, I don't know about that because, you know, the way that Adam Warren was going, you you could almost put some money on the fact that he's gonna get hit around a little bit and then you're bringing in Jason Shreve with guys on base. So right. so what's what's worse? I don't know. And, and you know to Shreve's credit, he came out of that he came into that game and he locked it down and he got the ball to Batans, I'm sorry to uh Chapman in the ninth inning and they were able to win the game. And that was a big moment because they they very much they very well could have lost that game. Jason Shreve came in. Didn't look great honestly but he did enough and got out of that uh got out of that spot. Uh, and picked up Warren, but that was a game that they went up what six nothing, and they it was very a slow well...
1: burned. That was a slow burn.
2: It was a painful ending of the game, and it was like a four hour game too. And uh, they they very easily could have lost that game after they jumped out for that offensive little little um, uh, the nice the nice six spot, but the bullpen had nothing, and Herman couldn't go deep
1: again. So they well they also could have been up nine nothing because you get five walks in one inning five walks and you can't just get the get one big hit to blow that thing open it's very frustrating what do you think it is with this team with runners in scoring position are they trying to hit home runs do they are they just all slumping in those situations at the same time because april and may they were i think top three in baseball and batting average with runners in scoring position so what changed between may 31st and june 1st
2: yeah i don't that's the thing i think there's um it's it's impossible to, to really pinpoint it. I think that the makeup of the team is a little bit different now as well. But you, one would say that it's probably better. Um, these guys are obviously not doing it as a team. And this what is do you one of those by, well, Hold
1: on. What do you mean by makeup?
2: I mean, like the the first base situation is different than it is now. Gleber Torres is up. Like there's there's there are those are all positive things you would think. I I agree. I I agreed for sure. Um, You know, there's there's just a a bunch of different guys that you know maybe some of these younger guys are pressing too much and they're trying to do too much in those situations because, you know, if we're looking at Gleber Torres' career and I'm looking five years back. Um, assuming he's fully healthy, you, I'm looking at this guy, and I bet he's going to have good numbers. He's going to have a, a good batting average. I think he's going to hit well with runners in scoring position. I think his uh, home run totals are probably going to go down, and we're going to see more gaps. He's going to have more doubles. So he, this is a guy that's going to be hitting uh, a lot more line drives, I think, and and making more contact. So the, like for this particular team, I don't think it's going to be a, a long-term problem. I, it does feel like it's one of those contagious hitting things because that does tend to happen in baseball either a, a team gets hot or a team will just completely fall cold and it seems like that's kind of what's going on with uh w- with runners in scoring position like they're pressing too much i don't know if that's it who knows what the hell it is but that's what it looks like
1: well glaber torres is not the problem with runners in scoring position because he's batting 339 in those situations well there you go so that you we we know about all the three run bombs too
2: Absolutely. He's, he's, he, that's what he does. He hits three-run home runs. Um, but you, you, start adding, you add a guy like Labor Torres to the lineup, you'd think that they'd be better because that's the kind of guy that, that really can balance out the lineup um, from all these home run hitters. And I'm not even calling like Aaron Judge is still one of those guys that should be no, no issue hitting with runners in scoring position. He strikes out a lot, no doubt about it, but he also puts the bat on the ball a lot.
1: I also look at Boone there, and in the eighth inning, he pinch hits for Higashikoa with Neil Walker. Why not Brandon Drury there? And then he lets Greg Bird hit in the tenth inning against a lefty with still Jury on the bench. So it's just a couple of weird moves in key situations where he saw his team. Something needed to be done. Some some button needed to be pressed, and he didn't press the right button. And I know it's very easy for me to sit here two days later and criticize Boone for those decisions, but that is, the, that is the game you play when you're a manager in baseball. It's, sec- it's second-guessing. That's all people can do. Here's the beauty about this whole thing. The, we have not been talking about
2: Aaron Boone a lot. And the reason why we haven't been talking about Aaron Boone a lot is because he hasn't been pissing anybody off. He hasn't really been making very many bonehead moves, it seems like. A lot of the things that he has been doing that nobody really talks about because when you do well and things happen, it's not really a story at that point. It's just you're playing baseball and they're winning. But when things are going wrong... Not that they're even going wrong. We won the damn series. But when when things are going wrong in in small situations, you look at why those are going, and then you know you you start going back to leadership. Um, but at the end of the day, these guys gotta execute uh, when they're up, and and when they don't execute, it's to me it's on that guy. Like in that situation, you're 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 saying that okay, Drury or Walker. I mean, you know, it's a toss up at that point. It's really. It's not that big of a thing. <sighs> That's it's not, just not. I, I mean, not. Neil
1: Walker's been so bad for so long, and now he's going to get an opportunity with Glaber Torres on the DL. Right. But Neil Walker has been so bad for so long that... You, you knew it was going to happen. He was going to strike out, and that's what happened. I mean, you, you could say that about
2: Drury, too, because Drury's been striking out a lot since he's been up in the major leagues, and he hasn't really hit well since he's been up here either. And, you know, the, the flexibility, who knows why he was actually doing that. But, but again, like we're nitpicking on some of these situations, whereas this team is still playing well, even though they can't score with runners in scoring position. And Greg Bird did today have a beautiful single with a runner on second that scored a run. Should we throw a parade
1: for him? There was already parades for the Fourth of July. We can't have a parade for Greg Bird getting a hit with runners in scoring position. No, that's what
2: the parade is today.
1: It's oh, today's the Fourth of July. I thought it was for the Greg Bird single. (laughs) So I think into the
2: into the shift, no less.
1: I think if Boone is looking back on Monday night and taking notes in his uh, in his version of a binder on on things to remember for next time, it's nothing to do with bunting or pinch hitting or runners in scoring position. It has everything to do with the bullpen and what he did on on Sunday night. I think that is his takeaway.
2: Well, and I, I think that's a total experience thing, right? I mean, that's something that probably 100%. Larry, Larry Rothschild should have spoken up and said,
1: "Hey, let's uh, let's rethink this." Maybe, maybe, oh, or it's something that Boone won't make the t- same mistake twice. We've seen we've seen him evolve. Yeah, oh season. no doubt. Oh, this
2: is not something he'll ever do again. <laughs> I guarantee that. Um, but you know, I, I think in a situation like this, Rothschild should be also aware of these guys and their work, and 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 you know, maybe second guess uh, the move to get. You know, get get all of these guys some some extra work. So th- I, I'd put a little bit of that on uh, on Rothschild not stepping up.
1: And uh, Lozuko was sent down to AAA after the game. He again could not get deep into the game. What I saw out of him on Monday was the Braves not swinging at his off speed stuff. Yeah, and the big thing I think for what the the way that the
2: roster is setting up right now, I think we're we're gonna see. We're going to see uh, Johnny Lasagna coming back up. There's no doubt he's probably going to come back up for that doubleheader coming up uh, uh, with Baltimore. But I think yeah. when because A.J. Cole is healthy, and uh, he pitched again on, what was that, Monday or Tuesday night? Tuesday night, I think. Tuesday
1: looked good on Tuesday. And
2: looked good again. So literally, every single time A.J. Cole has come out and pitched in a Yankee uniform, this the guy's done his job. So uh, nobody should have a damn bad thing to say about A.J. Cole because he's done his job. And and what that does, having him, in, uh, having him now up on the roster, does give some flexibility with the bullpen because he is more of a longer guy. He's, uh, you know, he started the season as a, as a starter with Washington, so he could give a little bit of length uh, in, that, in that bullpen. And you know with Tanaka throwing, seems like Tanaka's coming back very soon, and, uh, and that's, it'll line up
1: the, uh, the rotation for him to get back. I think what they need to do with Cole is just use him more. He sat on the bench for 20-something days. Use him more because he's proven to a point now where, hey, maybe they have something in Cole. Move on from Jason Shreve. Let's see what A. J. Cole has.
2: Yeah. I or or start going uh with Warren in shorter situations and let's let's uh let's dub AJ Cole as that long guy who who can get length and, and do some good things out there because he's also proven that he can come in on a one inning spot and be effective. So I I'm a I'm you know, quietly excited about AJ Cole, I guess, because he's he's definitely uh, he's one of those guys that that makes the the bullpen longer, and that's going to be big. I think that's going to be he could actually play a very crucial role down the down the stretch because if we have depending on what happens with this trade uh, with the trade market and, and whoever they get as a starting pitcher, the bullpen is going to be taxed most likely as you as you get down into the um uh, you know the dog days, especially if you have some of these younger guys up there with with innings limits or whatnot. You know we have the the strength in the back of the bullpen, but we're gonna need guys to go out there and and get innings. And a guy like AJ Cole could play a significant role.
1: Hey, the innings limit might not be a problem because Lasagna couldn't get through the fourth inning, and then yeah. Herman couldn't get through the fifth inning. So they're they're that's, just that's implementing true. their self imposed <laughs> innings right. limits just on their own. Smart. Herman spotted a six run lead and then gives up back to back dingers in the fifth inning. Could not get out of that fifth inning. Extremely extremely frustrating. You could tell Boone was sitting there watching like, come on. Really? After a six-run lead, after a bullpen is totally toast from the night before? Herman, you can't just give me a couple more outs? It was that kind of look that Boone gave him.
2: Yeah, he had to do his full walk out to the dugout for the first time in a Yankee full uniform. And uh, it was a little strange seeing Boone in a full Yankee uniform again because it was the first time he's actually worn it all season. Rather than not wearing the sleeves or a jacket, he actually had the top on. Which uh, which was strange. So that 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 walk to go and get him was um, was a little, a little different. But yeah, he, you could tell that he was frustrated by by uh, by Herman. It seems like Herman does does that quite often when he gets off. And he starts, you know, struggling a little bit. Not not dissimilar to what Sonny Gray does. Uh, It it almost like it gets in his head, and he just starts throwing meatballs.
1: It loses. It's the shift from good Herman to bad Herman is instant and drastic. It is kind of scary.
2: It is. It's a it's a cliff because he did fall off a cliff. They were they were barreling him up after that after that home run, and and it, it didn't look like there was an end.
1: Right. Let's talk about Aaron Hicks, probably the third best center fielder in Major League Baseball this season, which. A month and a half ago, people were hashtag DFAing Aaron Hicks on Twitter.
2: I don't know, man. Trout's, Trout's had a pretty bad uh, last 14 games, I think. Badening uh, under... But been, been struggling. You and could, he still... <laughs> you could say Aaron Hicks over the last... Uh, however long that stretch of Mount Mike Trout's since, struggles are is the best center fielder in Major League Baseball.
1: Well, it, uh, with with the two-week stretch of Mike Trout struggling, he still has like a quadruple war lead on every other center fielder in baseball. But Hicks ranks fourth in Major League Baseball... With a fangraphs war of 2.5. And third is Ben who does not really play center field yeah. as a, on a full-time basis. So I do rank Hicks third. <clears throat> since June 1st, 110 plate appearances, a 1,056 OPS, 10 homers, which I think leads the Yankees since June 1st. Ranks third in Major League Baseball in that time with slugging of 684. He is turning into what Brian Cashman sold us. More glimpses of Aaron Hicks. This time it's a little bit more sustained, which is good. And he's hitting from the right side over 1,000 OPS this season against lefties.
2: Well, I'm a little confused because I talked about this with Chad Jennings when he was on the show a couple what, last week. Uh, Brian Cashman was selling us Jackie Bradley Jr. <laughs> and well, that's now, not a good thing. I, I know. And now Aaron Hicks... Maybe Jackie Bradley Jr. is becoming like Aaron Hicks. It's like, you know, wh- where are we
1: with this one? But, it's a paradox. It just yeah. goes round and round. Whoever's whoever's the good one at the time, the other one is becoming is going to turn into them one day, and this will go on until they're forty years old. And not a baseball. Well, yeah, but after that, a baseball is going to dominate him on the on the links. Thank you, uh, A Rod,
2: again for that. Wait, the, hold on. Aaron, great, Hicks great, great golfer, scratch golfer,
1: no, scratch golfer, better than John Smoltz, who I oh. think shot like a plus ninety in the senior tour. I,
2: did he? he I know he made the senior he, You tour. know he qualified the, For the I US Senior that. Open Yeah yes. I
1: think he shot Shot like a plus 14 On his first day
2: oh, Good for him Yes Aaron Hicks would win uh,
1: Aaron, Great golfer
2: Thank you Arod. Um, unbelievable information Coming from A-Rod Same information Every time Okay so uh, Aaron Hicks has been phenomenal Like really really good we started talking about him on the last episode a little bit, but I mean, you look at what he's done in different spots. He's hit in the, the leadoff spot. He's at in the four spot. He's at down in the order. Uh, he was in the three spot. So he's been all over the place and he's showing that he can be productive. So, the biggest, I think, can, the biggest question mark for me in the offseason was who is Aaron Hicks? We need to see enough of him a long enough time so that we can kind of really get a, a better idea of who he really is as a player. Just because the stretches that we've seen have not been long enough without injury, you know, disrupting them uh, to see who he really is. And, you know, maybe we're seeing that. Maybe we're seeing the guy who, who can tee off on lefties and uh, is, is making, um, you know, phenomenal contact and has some pop. I mean, this is this is a good, good center fielder.
1: Are you sold on Hicks? Is this the real
2: Aaron Hicks? I, I think this is a little high for the real Aaron Hicks, but I think he's he's better than most uh, give him credit for, for sure. I think he's, uh, you know, I, I don't remember when I said this, but we had talked about, you know, like, who is he? And I still think he's like a 260, 270 hitter with, uh, that can hit 20 to 25 home runs and is going to play a ridiculous center field And I would sign up for that all day long for my starting center fielder with the makeup of this team.
1: The problem is that we just haven't seen consistency out of Aaron Hicks. And if he's going to have these months where he's the best center fielder in baseball, but then go out and and look like he's absolutely lost at the plate for six weeks, it's a problem. And it's very frustrating to watch.
2: Well, I think one of the big reasons why we're seeing that, too, or why we've seen that in the past is because of the injury reasons. I mean, that's another thing. His oblique was a problem and it has been a problem. Yeah. at
1: any time he could go land back on the deal
2: but but he's proving right now knocking on wood that he has uh you know he's he's been for a, a good stretch healthy and you know maybe all that stuff is behind him so We'll see. we will just got to keep going and, and hopefully uh, he can uh, continue to stay on the field and we can and we can see what he really is. Because, you know, if he's anything like he was in June, we got ourselves one hell of a center fielder and Brian Cashman stole another player for uh, a guy. who hey, Actually, John Ryan Murphy's playing. John very Ryan well this Murphy's year. having a decent season. Yeah. With Where the is you in San Diego now?
1: Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks. Yeah, he's out in the in the West, but he's in the he's in the Korean Baseball League.
2: Minnesota totally screwed that up. So no Are patience. You surprised?
1: No patience out there. Uh, we, we briefly mentioned Glaber back on the DL, or not back, Glaber on the DL with hip, uh, hip strain. They tried to give him a, a half day off, I guess, on Tuesday to, to rest it up. I read something on Twitter that this is something Glaber's been dealing with for years and that it, it kind of flares up on him and he might just need a day or two to uh, to rest it. I guess they didn't want to, um, I guess it was bad enough to place him on the DL, and Boone said after the game that Neil is going to get decent time at, at second base.
2: So here's one thing I don't understand, and I, I will criticize Boone on this one. The, I don't really understand if you're going to give the guy a day off, why Why are we going in and giving him, him uh, just a half day, and then he's got to all of a sudden get up and, and stretch and make sure he's ready? Uh, and in theory, you're not giving the guy his normal routine to get ready for a game, so chances are he's probably not going to... Uh, you know, he, he may he very well might not be completely stretched out like he normally higher, would if he was starting risk a game. Higher risk of injury than just starting a game. Absolutely, absolutely. He's been sitting the, the entire game, and then all of a sudden he's got to go into the tunnel and, uh, you know, into the clubhouse and get ready to, uh, to come into the game as a defensive replacement. So I don't like that move. If you're going to give him a day off because of that, because of the hip strain that was flaring up, why would you not just leave him on the bench and give him that full day off? Like, literally the point of not starting him is to get rest. You know, playing f- or resting for five innings and the whole day—that's not a day off at all. That's that's now throwing him into the to you know to a position where he's not used to. So, you know, it, it could have contributed. on the very next day, you we're seeing him uh, at the plate after after an at bat. You know, His, ha- ha- seeing like, it was re-aggravated. So, who's to say that that didn't
1: uh, you know contribute? Is that a situation where Ronnie Toto would have gone in for defense instead of Glaber in that in that spot? Thousand percent. Yeah, a thousand percent. But, uh, do you like the fact that Neil Walker might be getting the bulk of the time at second base, or would you rather see Brendan Drury?
2: Well, I still think they're. I mean, people are pining now, like, oh, thank, thankful Neil Walker's still on the team. You see, that that's why he needs to be here. Like, no, he still doesn't that's, need to be here. That's actually, a dumb take. It, it doesn't. It, it makes no sense because honestly, you could swap him out for Torres right now, and it wouldn't make a damn difference. There's, there's really just not that much of a difference because Drury could play first base. It, it's a it's a moot point that Neil Walker could play first base now. It, it just doesn't affect it as much. Yes, it yep. gives you a little bit more flexibility. And, but that's a third guy who could play and first.
1: and the last straw was that he's a switch hitter, but guess what he's not hitting.
2: Yeah, who cares what yeah, I don't care if he you know if he could throw with both hands too. It doesn't matter. He's not doing it well. so um it, it just it, it makes him this is it I, to me, this is it, right he's he's getting some some decent time at second base now with the uh, with the injury to to Glaber and if he can't hit while he's going out there every day, then what's I, I you know, I don't understand the point. Even if he does hit, what's the point?
1: So we had somebody tweet us that it was July 11th was the official last day of Chris Carter as a New York Yankee. So Neil Walker is going to survive Chris Carter.
2: Yeah, maybe. That's uh he will outlast him it seems like. Yep. But didn't we I thought we had said that Chris Carter that was when they released it, but the last day he played was on the 4th.
1: It was the last day he played was on right. July 4th, but yeah. he was still a member of the organization for a couple of days after that.
2: Right. Um yeah, so he's going to because of the injury now we're going to see an extended period of time. But you know, if he can hit, then he's going to delay uh he's going to delay the inevitable that much longer now I don't know uh, Torres to me in that position has proved that he's a better utility guy than Neil Walker and, and I and I believe that uh, as both offensively and they can play the same positions that are needed defensively first base being the the other position um, that Drury can play
1: and then Wednesday's game Sabathia goes out there and gives him stability again six innings two runs that's what Sabathia is Mr. stability
2: is that thirteen and0 now following a uh Following, well, they the, didn't. They didn't lose. It was the day before that, yeah. So twelve and zero still. But yeah, he does. He he goes in there and and pitches well. Six uh, six innings, two earned runs, and those were uh, he escaped a, a first inning jam, which could have definitely uh, changed the narrative. I think on this on this um, on this game by uh, striking out Acuna with the bases loaded. So that's a big jam for him to get out of, and then uh, continue on. I mean, the two runs. One was a, a solo shot, and then uh, you know a, a ground ball sack sack uh, ground ball to score a run. So. He, he did very well, and that's exactly what he's been this year. He's been that guy who goes out there and gives
1: uh, and gives these guys a consistent outing. Love it. So Higashikoa, uh, his third hit today, that makes three home runs for him. All he does is hit home runs. At what point does it get noticed around baseball that this guy went 0 for 20-something and then – Still is not a good hitter because he's going one for three, one for four, but he hits these bombs. At what point? How many home runs does he have to get to where his only hits are home runs before it starts becoming a thing?
2: What do you mean it starts becoming a thing?
1: Like, like, like on Sports Center or, ta- or talked about not just amongst Yankees Twitter, which we'll talk about everything the Yankees do. Right. When is it? When is it noticed outside of our little bubble?
2: Oh, I think it'd have to go beyond five.
1: Beyond five. Yeah,
2: I was. I don't think it's going to get there. I don't. Well, I didn't think it was going to get to three, but I certainly don't think it's going to even get to four or five.
1: I, uh, on Monday morning, I throw on boston radio because i always love to hear boston radio after something bad happens to a boston athlete especially david price uh they were absolutely killing price but they were making fun of higgy that even the make-a-wish candidate Koa who had no hits <laughs> coming in can get a home run off david price you need hey kid you want to get out there and feel like a big leaguer here's a meatball from david price i thought it was extremely hilarious
2: yeah, that's uh I mean he was giving a lot of meatballs up I guess then. So it's uh he's he's a lot of charity cases for for David Price when he plays the only the Yankees. Yep. It's, uh it's 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 a very uh very convenient that he's And he was them up.
1: using the uh the the excuse that he was tipping pitches and then we have Braves uh, beat reporters after this series saying that Yankee Stadium is a joke they're just giving up joke home runs the short porch and right field it's the only so. reason
2: the Braves were in a game is because <laughs> of the right porch the the, the the porch and right field it's the only reason any of that no. w- were even remotely uh, close I mean you know Markekis's home run doesn't go out any any other place Acuna's home run doesn't go out like they're not in these games they're not winning these
1: games unless the short porch is there so didn't you know that when the Yankees are batting the fence comes in 25 feet didn't you not, know this guy it's utterly Ridiculous! So
2: I was at a barbecue today, and I, there's a couple guys that are, are Braves fans too, and they tried to come at me with this, and I destroyed them. I I, I, I destroyed their lives, and <laughs> I'm like, well, you, you don't start this with me right now. You're gonna lose. uh So it was uh this is this is the second time in one day that I've had to to uh, defend Yankee Stadium to br- about
1: from the Braves. Go oh, it's not it about defending Yankee Stadium. It's just the no, fact it's, that both teams are hitting in the same park, so shut it's the, the fact hell up. that
2: people are dumb and don't realize that both
1: teams play there right
2: uh, but you know what that's great like i don't really don't care what they say the fact is the yankees have, have a home field advantage and every single park has some kind of little wrinkle that the the, the team knows how to do and exploit better than the other team when they're visiting and I kind of think that's how it should be. There are certain ways. I mean, how do you think uh, Altuve has home runs? He just hits the ball up in the air to left field. It doesn't matter. It goes out because he just gets the ball up and it goes out. So there's a reason why they're more dangerous at home as well, because they have, you know, tailored certain at-bats and they know how to do things so that they can exploit that left field, that, that short left field. Same with Boston. So... You know, it's uh, it's just one of those things that people will just complain because if they lose, they complain. If they win, they act like it wasn't part of it.
1: Having said all that, Stanton's home run on Tuesday in the eighth inning was a joke. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it, The one here today was was, uh, was a freaking not a missile. It was not a joke. It was a
2: missile. You know, it just didn't – it wasn't high, but he hit it. He smacked it. But the thing is with field. Stanton,
1: the only – you know – you could say it's a joke that that ball went out on Tuesday night, but only Stanton and Aaron Judge get that ball out. Everybody else, it's a fly ball to the warning track.
2: Well, let, let's talk about this. So let's go take this a little bit further because today also, I think um, Judge also had a home run that was a very much a Yankee Stadium home run. But not many guys can do what he did today because he he when he hit that home run, what was it, the eighth inning or seventh inning? He hit that home run, and I mean that's that's an out. That's a that's a a foul ball, probably. That's a, a ball that most guys won't even make contact with, but now the judge has so much time in the strike zone, and that plane is so flat, and he's making so much contact. And this is to his credit for changing his swing. He knows that all he has to do is touch bat to ball, and good things will happen. He mishit that ball so badly, and it still went out of the ballpark. And that's the beauty of Aaron Judge. And you know what that is? That is a an adjustment by a major league player. Knowing where he plays a lot of his games and he says, if I can make contact on this ball out in away, way, just contact, it's going to do damage. And that's exactly what happened today. So you know what? They, people can, can talk about Yankee Stadium being a short right porch and that being a joke, whatever. You know what these guys are doing? They're making adjustments to take advantage
1: of it. And I think it's a great thing. I'm just picturing like in Happy Gilmore when his golf coach is saying, just tap it. Give the old taparoo, Just tap it in. Hey Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, just make contact because you're big enough and you're strong enough that the ball is gonna leave the ballpark anyway.
2: I mean, it's true. And I think Stanton's trying is starting to, you know, make his adjustments. Obviously he's been he's been on fire lately. I mean, he's been hitting the ball very well and he's been hitting a lot more line drives. We're starting to see these balls that are just scorched. I mean, the one today uh, Marcus didn't even move. I mean, not even not even a step. He just, you know, he realized that thing was out as soon as it made contact. Probably because it was loud, and two because the ball came at him so damn fast. But when you're what you're doing, what you're seeing now is, I think, you know, he's using all all fields, and he's doing it a lot better. He's making more contact, and he's realizing when I make contact in Yankee Stadium, maybe this is part of these conversations that he and Judge are having. All you gotta do is make contact. When you're big and strong like we are, it's gonna go out. So, you know. Uh, I love seeing it. I love seeing both of those guys use right field because a lot of power guys do not use the opposite side.
1: Very true. We'll end on that note. Uh, like I said, coming up is the audio and the recap of the Sabathia charity softball game. It was um, a lot of fun, so stay tuned for that. Scott, any last words?
2: Just a happy fourth to everybody. Hope you're uh, having, or hope you had a good time. Hope everybody was safe. And uh, yeah, happy birthday to the boss. 88 years old
1: would have been today on July 4th and hopefully you're not listening to this in the office on Thursday and you have the day
3: off. coming out drain these days you ain't back
0: I'm brain
1: Last week Dom and I attended the pitch in foundation it's CC Sabathia's foundation. he had a, c- a celebrity softball game at Yankee Stadium on Thursday. They raised a million bucks which is awesome. The foundation showcases three signature programs to help provide young people with the tools to be successful in school and on the field, all-star baseball clinic, youth backpack program, and field renovations. Dom, what's going on?
4: What's up? How are we doing?
1: That was uh, that was a lot of fun that we had last Thursday at Yankee Stadium. It was a nice little uh, treat that you got because Scott couldn't make it.
4: Yeah, I was more than happy to fill in. It was a hell of an event for a hell of a good cause, and we got to meet and talk to... Uh, bunch of cool people there for sure
1: i was as as we were leaving the stadium i was saying to you because you're actually up at uh, syracuse you started your master's program uh this week but you've done things just like that that a lot of people in that program i'm sure haven't had the chance to do
4: yeah i I guess i kind of have the edge in that regard (laughs) (laughs) not a bad thing
1: what was uh, it's always interesting like when because we did something with Steiner Sports a couple years ago for the '96 Yankees. So Pettit was there, Tino, Doc Gooden, um, Cecil Fielder, and I remember being in that room. That was like the first time I had been up close and personal with a lot of those those guys I looked up to as a kid, followed as a kid, and it's kind of surreal. Was is I still felt that as I was there, standing next to CC Sabathia and Jorge Posada and some of these guys. What about you?
4: Yeah, that was my first time like ever interviewing somebody like that in a formal setting. So I was a little starstruck at first. Actually, before we did any Yankee player interviews, I'm a huge Giants fan, and Tiki Barber was talking to the guy next to us. And I see him there, and I'm like, oh my God, that's Tiki Barber. Like He's my childhood hero, running back for the New York Giants. like Stud, why did you retire so early? I wanted to ask him a question, and you were like, go ask him a question, and I was just like, I have nothing prepared, dude. I can't do this right now. Holy shit.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I was definitely gonna give you crap for that.
4: Yeah, I had to get out of front than I want
1: <laughs> That was um I understand you're you weren't prepared to interview Tiki Barber. You're pre- prepared to interview Sabathia, Didi, and some other guys, some baseball guys, but not a football guy. I still think you should have taken the opportunity, even if you just pulled the Chris Farley and just said, Tiki, you are awesome. It would've it would have been worth it.
4: Yeah. <laughs> that would have been funny
1: so now that you have had a week to think about it what kind of question would you have asked him
4: um you know I would just ask him probably actually a concussion related question about football because he was one of the guys that actually retired really really early I think he was I don't even know if he was 30 I I think he was 30 or 31 maybe when he retired but he's a younger guy so I would ask him uh you know about where the game is trending in that regard I think the average age for nfl running back average career length i should say for uh the average nfl running back is only like four years so um i would probably ask him a question about that and then i also would probably ask him a question about uh saquon barkley who we also saw there at the event he is a truck Um, so as a Giants fan, that's, that's probably the question I would have, I would have asked.
1: That's a pretty good question. Was Tiki on that 07 team, the Giants team? I forget. He
4: wasn't, he wasn't, he had retired, I think a year or two prior to that.
1: That sucks. I've always thought about that. And like, I think about Don Mattingly and Mattingly retired for other reasons. He had a lot of back injuries, but to be the team's go-to guy, like Mattingly was for the Yankees and and, um, Tiki was for the Giants and then have them win a championship right after you leave. That's got to just eat at you.
4: Yeah. And it's (laughs) Jeremy Shockey got a ring. (laughs) Like, think about that. (laughs) Just like, dude, just give your ring to Tiki, man.
1: Yeah. Um, but we, we got there. We, uh, first of all, you were just soaking wet because it was, Torrential rain for about an hour (laughs) right before the event, so we show up. I was standing. I was waiting for Dom to show up to the stadium. I was standing under one of those canopies that's outside of Yankee Stadium, but I was like not moving because the rain was coming sideways. So I was huddled in a corner, just doing a mic test on on our equipment. We get there. You are you are like I said, just dripping dripping uh, with uh, with the rain. We walk in and then we just thrown into the red carpet like like sheep. They just stuff us in there. There's like 50 people in this area for like maybe 10 people.
4: Yeah, I I pulled up my khakis were I had like 10 khakis on and it was just so clear that they were just soaked and I didn't have an umbrella in my car. I parked down the street from like the dugout and uh, like that gate to entrance, I want to say, by the parking garage. So I had a long walk with no umbrella. So I... I brought out a men's warehouse like suit cover, and it was just. But it was just raining sideways, so I just wound up still getting absolutely soaked everywhere. But we made do with it, and uh, yeah, like you said, they kind of put us in there like sheep, and we just had to go with it. But it was an awesome experience.
1: There were guys selling ponchos out around the stadium. You should you should nab <laughs> one of them on the way in.
4: It, it was too late. It was too late at that point.
1: <laughs> they, uh, they were delayed on the red carpet, so guys didn't come in at first. One of the first guys to come in was actually Mariano Rivera, and he pulled the same thing at the Steiner Sports event where he would take pictures but then not talk to anybody. So I was a little disappointed that Mo didn't come down and talk to people. Um, I would have just loved the chance to talk to Mariano, but uh, we didn't get that. We did ha- end up having a chance to talk to Sabathia, Didi, Sonny Gray, which was definitely interesting. I think people are looking forward to hearing that. David Robertson, Carlos Beltran, and Jorge Posada. The Jorge Posada audio is not on here because it was our first one, and of course, I messed up the actual recording of the audio, but it was a trial run. You can go check out uh, Bronx Pinstripe's Twitter. There is a video of the Jorge Posada questions, so at least we didn't completely lose it.
4: Yeah, that Jorge Posada audio. Um, you went to go shake his hand, and I watched you just kind of like fumble your phone a little bit, and I think you just X'd out of the recording. Yeah, and then you looked at your phone, and you were like, "God damn it!
1: We need a better next time. We need a better method for for I need some sort of holster for the phone." So yeah,
4: definitely some sort of holster would be beneficial. I think.
1: Yeah, who was what guy? Were you most excited that you got to, got a chance to talk to?
4: I mean, it it had to be CC. Because yeah,
1: he's the man of the hour.
4: He, he's the man of the hour. Um, and, you know, since he came to New York, what, uh, it's almost nine years ago, which is crazy to think about. But not only has he established himself as a veteran in the clubhouse, you know, evolved into this power, power pitcher to a finesse pitcher, uh, made that transition seamlessly. Um, and then he's obviously very active in the community with his wife. So um, it was really cool to talk to him. I, th- I forget what kind of question you asked him, but I kind of talked to him uh, about some lighter-hearted stuff. So he was cool with everything, and that was that was definitely big for me. Yeah, that was awesome.
1: Same, yeah, most of the questions that we asked these guys were light-hearted because that's the environment that it's in. It's a, it's a celebrity softball game. We don't need to be drilling them with hard-hitting questions, although I would have felt disingenuous if I didn't ask Sonny Gray at least a semi-hard yeah. question because we have absolutely <laughs> eviscerated Sonny Gray on the podcast for two straight months. So I think I would have gotten some shit on social media if I didn't give uh, give him at least a tough question.
4: Yeah, no, you had to. You you had really no choice there,
1: no choice at all. And one thing I remember thinking after we talked to Didi is he's a big dude. He might not look big on the field because he's usually batting in between Stanton and Judge, so he looks like a baby out there. But standing next to to Didi, he's he's taller than I am. I'm six foot one, and he's taller than me, and he's broad-shouldered, like that dude's big it just kind of reminds you like oh yeah these guys are professional athletes they're not normal humans
4: yeah he's a house but i agree with you when you say like proportionally you always see him kind of near or around staying or Judge, and it's just like they make anybody look like a midget
1: i guess or small but dd is a big dude for sure and then of course on the flip side you have sonny gray who is who is actually tiny
4: Yeah, he's like my height. I'm like 5'8 and a half (laughs) on a good day, and he's like I I think maybe 5'10-ish, so he's in the same ballpark as me.
1: Right. We also talked to Pete Rosenberg of the Michael K. Show. That was a fun little snippet we got too. Uh, Did not get a chance to talk to Johnny Damon. He was kind of preoccupied with some other people and his his wife uh, who was there, who was uh, also getting a lot of attention, so did not talk to Damon. Uh, Judge and Stanton were on the field. A-Rod was on the field, too. Uh, They didn't do the red carpet, though. I I would have thought it was hilarious if A-Rod rolled through the the red carpet with J-Lo.
4: Yeah, I think they're two A-list. Like, they just showed up the whole red carpet. They were like, nah. And we were all like, where's A-Rod? And then, actually, we were sitting in the press box, and I think they announced his name for him to, like, go out on the line, and then he didn't come out. And then I think five minutes later... They were like, oh, A-Rod's here with J-Lo, and then they put the camera on them in the dugout, and we were like, oh.
1: And, uh, yeah, well, J-Lo is A-List, and then that makes A-Rod A-List by association, I guess. Yes, I agree. Because A-Rod on his own is probably not A-List. He's not.
4: I don't think so. A-Rod Corp doesn't make the A-List.
1: <laughs> and then uh, one of the funnier things during the game, you pointed this out, you got a little video on uh, Snapchat for this, is everyone got, like, a casual applause when they were introduced, except Jen Selter? Who there was just (laughs) there was just crickets. It was so good.
4: I I was just taking a Snapchat of like just the whole thing, just the video, and Jen Selter happened to be walking up, and the PA guy was like, "And now batting, Jen Selter. How about a hand, everybody?" And then it just
1: (laughs) dead. (laughs) You either you either didn't know who she was, or you knew who she was, and you're like, "I am not cheering for her." Yeah, funny. It was fun being up in the press box. Sabathia's team won four to one. If you care about that information, it was a, a loosely regulated softball game. I think there was uh, an argument after three pitches at, at home plate about balls and strikes. So classic pace of play issues. Um, but go check out some of the other tweets that we were putting out from Bronx Pinstripes and the Instagram uh, pictures and Instagram stories. Obviously, you can't go back and check that out. But a lot of the stuff is still on Twitter videos and images from that it was a lot of fun um and we're going to get into all the audio clips coming up in a minute dom uh any other thoughts on the event
4: that's it it was a great time for a great cause like i said before and uh enjoy the interviews
1: awesome and we're looking forward to doing the next one of these types of things enjoy the interviews guys it ain't hard to tell CC, how you doing? Good. Congratulations on this awesome event. You got a lot of athletes in the building tonight. Who's the one guy you'd pick to make a transition to the baseball field?
5: Oh, wow. Uh, I keep saying that, but the Mac played. You know, he played, he pitched. And That's cheating. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> oh, he threw gas. He, yeah, he could, he could throw. So uh, we'll have to wait to see how, how his swing goes. I think Action Bronson. I'm looking at my man right now. I know he's a big baseball fan. He loves to hit stuff. So we'll have to wait and see how that turned out.
4: So I know all the players got custom Jordan cleats. I've always been wondering, what's your favorite Jordan model? Is it those nines, or what is it for you?
5: Mine are the 11s. That's why That's why I chose to give everybody 11s. Uh, I like the Concords, just, you know, straight classic 11s. All
1: right, CC, thank you. Good luck against the Sox tomorrow night. Strike out everybody you face. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, man. Bye-bye. This podcast here with um, David Robertson. It seems like when you got traded back to the Yankees, it was just uh, a really happy moment for you. Can you speak about the last year of your life? Uh, I mean, it was definitely a lot of
5: a lot of fun coming, coming back here. Um, you know, uh, being traded is tough. I just had a baby uh, 14 days before I got traded, so... Um, You know, I went a long time without seeing my family, but coming back over here was was good because at least coming back into this environment, I knew everyone here. I knew a lot of the staff. I knew a lot of the players, and I knew what role I'd be put in, and and, and – you know, he couldn't ask for a better situation for me to come into to a team that was that was willing to go for it. I'm assuming you're aware of your nickname Houdini, right? Yeah, I mean, I've heard a few times. I managed to get myself in enough trouble to
1: yeah, get, I w- get, a, get a terrible I match. was going to say, at what point in your career did you start to realize, like, I'm always in jams, but I'm seeming to get a, get out of them a lot? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like that started in, like,
5: in college. High school maybe, too. I don't know. I feel like there's always runners all over the bases whenever I'm pitching. Yeah.
1: What, what do you think it makes uh, about your game versus other pitchers that struggle? in those situations what do you try and do in those moments i
5: try to win i don't like to lose i just try to get the next guy out uh try to keep the run from scoring yeah. you know make them make, make guys put balls in play when i have to and go for the strikeouts
1: when i can hey diddy get a second so um we're a fan website and we give a t-shirt away every time you hit a home run so you're kind of putting us out of business this year i was wondering uh can i get some contact info to get maybe some retribution for that I
3: mean, you can contact anybody you want.
1: <laughs> the shirt is actually Sir Clutch. That's what we've nicknamed you. How do you How do you um, prepare yourself for the moments like in October last year against Corey Kluber?
3: How do I prepare myself? I mean, just watching videos and see what he's trying to do to you and see if you can find a pattern or something like that. I think that's what uh, everybody does every day. But, you know, you're not going to be successful every day when you play the game. So, you know, to go out there and get like big hits or something but whenever it happens, it happens, you know, it take times and then uh, just let the game finish and then you can celebrate. So we know Judge is the clubhouse DJ. I was wondering if you
4: approve of his DJing skills and what some of your music tastes are. You know, we got new Drake coming out tomorrow. I don't know if you're hyped up about that.
3: Uh, not yet. Probably got to wait to listen to see how good it's going to be. But, uh, I mean, Judge plays from new school to old school, mid school, he plays everything. So everybody's happy in the clubhouse. Hey, Sonny, can we get a question? All right, Andrew with uh, Bronx
1: Pinstripes for a Yankees podcast. So you've been in New York now for about a year. What would you say your favorite thing is about playing for the Yankees? Uh, showing up to the park every day and expecting to win.
5: That, like I said, sometimes we talk about when we lose, like that, that, that feels weird, but it, it's, it's true. Uh, every day we show up, we expect to win, and, and that's, that's a, it makes you want to come to the ballpark every day.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you guys haven't lost much this year. You've had some ups and downs on the mounds. How, how have you been dealing with that in your first full season with the Yanks? I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm dealing with it fine. It's not, uh,
5: you know, things things don't get better unless you uh, you go out and work on it and, and continue to put the effort in and try to get it better. Um, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to change who I am if I go through a little bit of a struggle. But it'll, uh, you know, I'll just keep putting in the work and, and you know, and and, and keep tr- trying to turn this thing around.
1: How's your underhand motion? You're going to get out there on the mound today in the softball game. Maybe strike CC out. I wish. I don't think they're going to let us. I don't think they're going to let us,
5: especially with it being a little wet. I don't. I don't think. We're, I don't think we're getting much. Uh, much action in this game. All right, appreciate it, Sonny. Thanks.
6: Man, thank you. What's
4: up, Carlos? How are you? Man? Sorry, you? How are you? Good. Good. you. Um, so, what's life like after retirement for you?
3: It's great, Uh, I'm home, uh, spending time with the family, being around the kids every single day, uh, planning some trips with the family, uh, and I'm going to enjoy the summer for the first time in 23 years, so I don't know how the summer feels in Puerto Rico, so I'm looking forward to being in Puerto Rico with my family and also being able to, you know, to be involved with the situation that happened in the island. Um, have you picked up a baseball bat since retirement, or has it just been golf clubs? I haven't, man, and uh, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm not playing today. Uh, I haven't picked up a bat, I haven't picked up a ball or a glove, so I'm just going to come here, support CC, and uh, being around the guys. Um, some talk about potential managerial career
4: for you do you see that in the near future or are you staying away from the game
3: well right now uh, I'm enjoying the family like I say I want to be away from the game for a little bit and get the opportunity to miss the game there's no doubt that you can count anything out uh, maybe one or two years from now uh, I don't know I don't know what, what might happen to Carlos Beltran, but uh, but there, there is uh, there's no doubt that I love the game there's no doubt that I love to be around the guys and I love to share information with them. Pete, you got a second? Hi, Andrew Otani with Bronx Pinstripes for a Yankees oh, cool. podcast. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm asking
4: a
7: couple
1: I'm questions. I'm going to talk shit
7: about Michael K. I'll do it right now. That was my first question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, we're here with Pete Rosenberg of The Michael K. Show, and you just said you're going to talk shit about Michael K., so back that up.
7: <laughs> no, honestly, I have nothing bad to say about the k ster I always wish I did because he loves to talk trash about me on the show, but the fact is. He's the best. And I've really grown to enjoy him as a broadcaster now that I've been watching the Yankees a lot more. Um, I really enjoy him in both. I, I, I hate to say that, but he's pretty fantastic.
1: So you're dressed like I used to dress when I went to the dining hall in college. I appreciate that. Best on the red carpet here. Is this what you're gonna be playing the game in?
7: No, I have a jersey. I was wearing the whole thing already on Yes earlier for the show, and then they're like, you have to go on the red carpet. You shouldn't wear the jersey. So I am dressed straight up. Yeah, this is definitely dining hall style. Cool, gray, 11, cleats. Are you going to support them? Shout out to CeCe Sabathia. We all got the cool, gray, 11, Jordan oh, cleats. So damn. Great. Yeah. CeCe's the man. Yeah, CeCe's the man, dude. Ever since I got here, he's been like... it's really been the only Yankee I've had like a long-running relationship with, and he's just the best dude. And... I love Ryan Rucco I love and their podcast So CeCe's the man Yeah I mean he came over in
1: 09 And he was brought over to be the ace But he's kind of turned into Like the dad of the clubhouse Is what I have said. What I say on the podcast And I feel like he has Forever made himself uh, A Yankees legend With what he's done In the last 10 years
7: Oh I couldn't agree with you more He has become sort of Papa Bear of this team and then with 09 if he gets if they can get a ring this year he really etches himself into special space i mean especially given the last two years you started to think after everything that happened a few years ago we were getting towards the end and this run that he's had at the end i think has really upped his status as an all-time yankee
2: hey guys thanks for listening to the bronx pinstripe show make sure you find us on itunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone if you do like the show We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go
6: Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?